But first, a little disclaimer. We are prefacing a lot of the appeal of this podcast on the fact that we're prosecutors. However, we need you to understand we are not doing this podcast in our professional capacity as prosecutors. We're doing this as people, after hours, on our own time, with our own equipment. Now, we know a lot about the law by virtue of what we do, uh, but we're also just interested in true crime. So our opinions and commentary in this podcast are not the opinions of our office or our employer. They are not our professional opinions, and nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice or anything other than three friends blowing off some steam together. So, with that in mind, don't try this at home. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. on No True Bill, we're going to wrap up the WVU co-ed murders for now. Uh, I'm sure there'll be another episode later. Uh, But today we're going to primarily hit the confession and prosecution of Eugene Clawson. Um, And, you know, trigger warning, that confession is detailed and pretty gross. Um, It'll be up to you to determine if you think it's true. All right. All right. Welcome back. Yay! It feels like it's been a long time. How long has it been? It's Anyone, been a long it's time. It's been a sense of time? Weeks, yes. If you don't count the conference stuff, I mean... Yeah. I'd say a month? Yeah. Dang. Well... We've been off the mics. We have been off the mics. <clears throat> I feel rusty. Don't know about y'all. Same. Uh, so this one might suck. But it is highly anticipated, which makes me even more nervous to present it because y'all are going to have questions I'm not going to know the answer to. And ultimately, what I think we're going to do is we're going to have Cheryl redo this one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why did you say stuff like that? Because you're so so good. I have faith in you that you're going to be able to answer all the burning questions I have about these. Well, uh, no, the question answering I won't do. I will tell a damn fine story. But I mean, that's just as good, right? Yeah, something. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Amen. But you also, I remember though, and I don't know if you had this little factoid ready to uh, sort of placate Cheryl, but I remember mm. you did look up the name of that island. Yeah, and I've already forgotten it. Damn it. Yeah, I that's tried, how long I, it's I been. Tried to throw bone, you Cheryl. gave me an absolute softball there, brother, and I have already forgotten it. I believe it, is it starts with a G, check. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I thought we had a phone rule. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. Do Everybody's you want me to rusty. look up the name of the island or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean. We can edit this silence out. Gulliver's. Well, okay, let's. It, it, it was a G. Yeah, it I don't remember. It was a G unit. Mm-hmm. It was something. Star Crunch ice cream. That's before that. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about important things. We'll save some time here by saying that after much searching, the answer was not found. Come about. So, all right. Well, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. We'll find out. There's there's probably going to be a third episode. I'll let you know. Um, So I I don't recall where we left off because it was so long ago and I haven't listened to that track. But we know we've got two dead girls and uh, we talked a little bit about those mysterious letters coming in that seem to come from those people out in Cumberland. And they're missing their heads, right? Oh, yeah. No heads at all. No heads. All right. None whatsoever. So, um... Okay, what else? Uh, all right. 
So, and just to, to take you back, uh, this was a quote I found from the coroner when they found, um, when they found the bodies. <clears throat> Whoever wrote that letter was the one who did it. Remember, they were all hemmed up on that. They thought it was the letters. Ridiculous. Yeah, the, the letter that was like, go to the end of the town and walk south and then turn left. And yeah. yeah real, but it had no stupid. starting point. No, right, right. no starting yeah. point. And, and even and we found in its best light. was the weird uh, psychic cult psychic people. Yeah. Right, cult, yeah. Psychic cults. That's right. Um, although at the time, prior to finding that out, law enforcement, uh, the brains at the university, they all seem to agree. And then running in from somewhere in the back is a man named Eugene Paul Clausen. So let's talk about Eugene. First off, the name Eugene. I stand behind this fantastic dog name. I think my next dog's name is going to be Eugene. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, you're you're at E, right? <clears throat> right. I'm at E. We do a weird thing with my pets. So it's an E name. And I think Eugene, get on over here, boy. I think it's got a good ring to it. Anyway, yeah. uh, Eugene Clausen was a 36-year-old bag of feces from Point Marion, Pennsylvania. <laughs> now, shout out to Point Marion, PA. Uh, I lived there. I'll say, for... you, you've been in Morgantown. You know where that is. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Point Marion. you used to Marion. have to avoid that intersection. You did. And the way you do that, mm -hmm. you go to Point Marion. You go to Point Marion. That's how you do that thing. Uh, so Point Marion as a whole isn't a terrible place. Um, I loved my time in Point Marion. Nice little river town. Um Forget which one of the rivers that is there. Anyway, uh, so in his time in Point Marion, Mr. Uh, Mr. Clausen had gotten into a little bit of shit, nothing big, but then he had moved to the Philly, New Jersey area. His mama still lived in Point Marion. Uh, side note, it's going to come up more later. He had a little something called Kleinfelter syndrome. What? Kleinfelter syndrome. Not familiar with that. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to be. So, um, where was Eugene Clausen at this important time when his name starts coming up on a radar? <coughs> he is in Camden, New Jersey, in a jail. And according to a dude in a neighboring cell, old boy had been hollering in his sleep about a double homicide that was just wrecking his soul. So, his celly turned snitch, called the police out there to talk to Mr. Clausen. And turns out when he was confronted by the police uh, at the jail in Camden, he felt that perhaps at this time confession was good for the soul. And he wanted to talk about it. it. Might help him sleep better at night. So he confesses to the police in New Jersey that he killed the WVU co-eds. So, based you got details about it? Based upon that, based upon that little itty bitty jump, they call down to the West Virginia State Police mm -hmm. and they send a Morgantown detective and state police representative up to Camden, New Jersey to interview this dude on, let's see, January. Nope. Yeah. January of 1976. So six years after the Moidas, he makes this uh, this confession and these representatives come up, but they don't come alone. They bring a stenographer with them to sit down and meet with the suspect. Uh, the entirety of that transcript, I was not able to find. Only bits and pieces, which I will read to you in dramatic fashion later. So he he gives this confession, uh, and 
apparently once it's typed out, it's the total uh, transcription is about 35 pages. Uh, based upon that, he gets a free pass out of the Camden jail to the sleepy town of Morgantown to assist police in, among other things, finding those domes, finding the missing heads of the ladies. Uh, they drive him down to the area of downtown and ask him to identify where he picked the girls up. He had some hiccups there. <clears throat> and yep. then he takes them, uh, and I'll describe his description of where he put the heads and stuff and I mean, was there was there any credible information? It seems like old boy just got himself a uh, a, a field trip buddy. from Jersey to Morgantown. Buddy, I, you're out of your mind. Let's. Well, OK, let's we'll get there. OK, we'll get there, buddy. Right now, let's talk about. Eugene Clausen. So we I told you we had Kleinfelter syndrome. I'm going to tell you what that is later. Bag of feces. But just a straight bag of feces. Why was he in jail in Camden, New Jersey? I noticed neither of you asked. Kid diddledge. Ta-da. So he's got a history of kid diddledge, prior sex offender, um, but he was in jail at the time on charges involving a 15-year-old uh, boy. Uh, though that indictment included armed abduction of a teenage boy, kidnapping, lewdness, sodomy, armed sodomy, assault with intent to rape, and, quote, carnal abuses. So, but he didn't kill him. No, he didn't kill that 15 year old boy. And his prior victim was also a juvenile. Did he uh, escape or did he let the boy go? I believe he let the boy go. He if I recall. He didn't kill him, girls. Yeah, he decapitated these two. Mm. Mm -hmm. so, so instead of these two adult women, instead of using the uh, mode of operation that's gotten you away with two murders. Right. You're just going to start to let victims go now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now. And those girls weren't raped, right? Their clothes were perfectly still established on their bodies in an orderly fashion. We'll discuss if they were raped, Cheryl. It becomes I mean, I important. I thought you had and, mentioned that. And it becomes important in but the it's appeal. Been a, it's been a while. It has been a yeah, while. It has it's been. Since our first that, episode. That becomes uh, important in the appeal. Um, so... This, so, so here's... There's some snippets of what's coming out of Camden, New Jersey... And our prosecutor at the time in Mon County decides he's going to make some statements to the media. Oh, why are you doing this? You know you can't do that, bro. <laughs> why are you doing this? My notes have these indirect quotes and a slight, a slight glance at these. These are not direct quotes, I, but they're quoted. So this is my interpretation of a direct quote. These are your paraphrase. My paraphrase okay. of a uh, <laughs> prosecutor says, the lines. yes, prosecutor says, old boy said a bunch of things only the killer would know. Also, prosecutor says, I'm not charging till I find them heads. Says that in the media. I'm not charging this. He's confessed. He's saying things only the killer would know, but I ain't charging him till he finds some heads. He's in some big shit up in Jersey. We're going to let him handle that business first. There's no push for time here. We got the guy, you know, but don't worry about it. We're going to get the heads. Everything's going to be fine. Also, we ain't going to try this motherfucker because even if he did this shit, he crazy anyway. Said that. Oh. Paraphrase, of course. Said that in the press. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> do we know? I mean, I'm sure we uh, I, we don't. But do we know when the uh, rules of professional conduct were promulgated, such that we have the special rule that prosecutors can't say stuff to the media, can't try their cases in in public? Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless it's necessary to inform the public about, you know, 
mm-hmm. why the prosecutor's office is taking or not taking certain action. Those I'm rules just, were, in they, fact, I have an answer to your, oh, do to you? your question. Okay, good. You All right. I, uh, those rules were, in fact, in place or some version of them because they were also discussed in the appeal. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> yeah. So always, Look at me. Answer the question. Yeah. Hot damn. About, about shit Look in effect in the, in the 70s. Yeah. On yeah. it. 50 Boy. years ago. Know it. I know what's up. Uh, so spoiler alert, they did not find them heads. Uh, we, uh, You know this because we've discussed that they're looking for the heads right now as we speak in Mon County. Um, so most, oh, by the way, those quotes, uh, that I paraphrased and put in quotation marks anyway, uh, were actually out of an inside detective article from 1976, Mm -hmm. um, which may also become relevant later. So let's talk about this confession and I need to preface the confession. I mean, obviously we're talking about, uh, two young ladies, uh, killed, beheaded. Uh, It's terrible. Um, this confession is at certain points, like points that, well, certain points is very detailed, other points less detailed. Uh, but the detail is, it's disturbing. Um, so trigger, if you don't, you know, sex assault type stuff, uh, violence. But perhaps just all a fantasy. Right. It Quite seems possibly, yeah. It, it, he's given details about sex assaults. Because that's the part he likes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But at least. But if you don't far, have details no about what was actually right. done. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Dude's just telling his, 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 his uh, homicidal fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> like how it how it should have happened. Right. I don't know. Um, so and now these I, I looked pretty closely. I think when I quote in this section, these are actual quotes from the transcript because I was able to obtain snippety jumps of the transcript. It's official term. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, it, this begins. I haven't, this isn't a quote. Uh, he's living in New Jersey or area, Philly area. He's working in Philly. His mama lives in Point Marion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he says, well, I drove down there. This is talking about Point Marion. I drove down there from Philly to visit my mother. I had a 61 black and white Buick. Uh, in case, It's been a long time. Girls were seen getting into a white or cream-colored sedan. Uh, so I had a 61 black and white Buick. I left that at my mother's house, and I hitchhiked to Pittsburgh. I had a friend who lives there. He's an ex-con, and he lives on Center Avenue. But I couldn't find his house because I'd never been there before. End quote. The hell would you drive from Philly to Morgantown, have a car, and then hitchhike to Pittsburgh for shits and giggles? Why wouldn't you drive? Mm-hmm. The man says, goes on to say that he swiped a car in Pittsburgh, as in he stole it. Grand Theft Autoed a car from Peaburg. Quote, I think it was a 1970 Chevy and it was cream colored, I think. It was either in a shopping center or a hotel drive or parking lot. Doesn't remember exactly. Or anywhere where people park cars. Mm -hmm. I drove, you know, back through Point Marion. And while, you know, I kept the car for a few days before I went to Morgantown with it. I was cruising around looking for somebody to pick because I can't have normal sex with nobody. I have to have abnormal sex. I have to force people to give me what I want or I don't have no ejaculation, no erection or nothing. I was just riding around looking for somebody to pick up. I seen a couple girls on the corner hitchhiking. I don't know what the street was. It was Willie Avenue or something. End quote. Eugene says, so, by the, so to this point, he has left Philly, driven to Point Marion before the interstate system. Driven to Point Marion, dropped off his car at his mama's house, 
hitchhiked to Pittsburgh, stolen a car, driven back from Pittsburgh to Point Marion. And kept Point that Marion. car and rode around in it for days, apparently. Well, that that changes later. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Eugene then says he picked up these girls. He couldn't tell whether he went north or south because he can't read a compass. Nevertheless, quote, I parked in the woods. Why did I quote that? I parked in the woods. That's not, that was the end of that quote, Cheryl. I parked in the woods. Okay. Golly. Uh, he made one girl get up. He handcuffed her. He has handcuffs. Now, he handcuffed her. He hooked the cuffs under the seat, uh, the front seat onto a spring or hook. Then he made the other girl crawl over top of the seat and into the back. He had his gun on her. Quote, I had abnormal sex with her. End quote. He described. Oh, he has a gun now, too. Yes, he has a gun. And he and the so girl number one is cuffed in the front. He takes the other girl to the and they back. had abnormal sex. Yes, he describes performing oral the sex. Word abnormal, indeed. Well, and I don't know, I don't know the lingo. Nineteen seventy six. He's into some butt stuff. We'll get into that. Um, describe performing I think the abnormal part would be the uh, forcible part. Ah, well, yeah. He described performing oral sex on her and then anal sex. Oh, then he does some I, my ass to mouth followed by vaginal sex parentheses not hygienic um oh my god then uh eugene clarifies that <laughs> was that in the in the transcript no these are my said not hygienic does not no that's 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 foul um <laughs> then uh he clarifies both he and backseat girl were totally naked uh, during this <laughs> this this part of the situation. Uh, he describes uh, uh, the young ladies pleading with him. Uh, then he was not satiated after girl number one. So he uh, switches them out. He gets, he uncuffs front girl. Um, and, but then he recuffs her and no one can see this except for you two at the table, what I'm doing with my hands, but in front. So he unhooked from under the seat and just recuffed her together with her hands in front. Um, then da, 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 da. Then they all get to the back seat. He makes, uh, the one girl go down on the other while he eats the booty and then does more. <laughs> anal. This is sorry. These are my notes. It is really terrible to hear him describe it. Um, especially if it really happened, which I think you can all guess. I don't think it did. Uh, after, okay. Quote after the rapes, I told them to get dressed, but I may have took the panties and bras. I don't know, because panties and bras turned me on. Then I got him outside the car and I shot one of them in the head. Specific, that's an end quote. Specifically, quote, I shot her in the head. When she fell, she pulled the other one down or knocked her off balance. And when I shot her, all I did was graze her because it didn't kill her. She was laying on the ground, moaning and whimpering and begging. Uh, and it just excited me sexually. So I ran back to the car and got a machete. It was underneath the seat. And I went and I chopped her head off. The one she was wounded, I chopped the other one. Then I cut her head off too. So to be clear, and this is described more thoroughly. You just thoroughly, so happened to steal a cream-colored car in Pittsburgh that had a machete under the seat? Uh, no, he, he, that's not where the machete came from. We'll discuss that okay. later. Um, so to be clear, he says he shot one of them in the head, then decapitates the other one who was not shot, then decapitates the one that was shot in the head. Right. Also, if you have a machete under your front seat, I'm not cuffing the girl so that her hands are down there at it. It's a fair point. It's a small car. You're gonna be, if you're cuffed to one seat, you're probably gonna be able to reach a machete under the 
under the other seat. You're also, right. oh, I was mean, it under the driver's seat? Yeah, I think so. I'm not remember. trying to be like weird and creepy, but like this whole thing is weird and creepy. Let it ride. I mean, but like maybe it, it acts as a way to to muffle any screams or whatever. But mm-hmm. like if you drove out into the woods where you've got nature's playground at your at your fingertips. Why are you going to stay compact in the car with these girls? Wouldn't mm-hmm. you want to have your way with them, like with a little bit of freedom area to roam? And you, you got a gun pointed on them, right? Like, you know, I, if you if you if you holler, get get. One at a time that makes sense. If you get both of them out, you got That's a true. chance yeah, of one of them taking off. That's true. Yeah, That's but true. yeah, the the whole thing seems kind of fanciful. So it was after the double uh, decapitation when, um, again, this is my uh, he he ejaculated. That that is what got him to uh, ejaculate so he then says he uh drags the bodies to a clearing uh where there's some old logs or whatever some branches yada yada very descriptive puts them on their backs and covers them with logs end quote that point that part i have in quotes before covering them he says he took some stuff maybe a class ring some kind of necklace not sure but i think a watch too uh seems to be real fuzzy on the details of what he took uh and he said specifically, he acknowledges that he's fuzzy on what he took because by his description, he had nutted. And so now he was just scared and ashamed and, <laughs> and he uh, was just focused on getting out of there and no longer has a clear memory of what happened after he climaxed. Um, okay. Now, talking about the body position. None of this makes <clears throat> any sense. <clears throat> They really, if, really wanted if, somebody if for this. If that nut was that good, you're going to kill the next boy or the next girl. Mm, right. You ain't going to, you're always trying to figure out a way to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, not just like, going to start letting people go. Right. Unless you're this would have certainly uh, happened prior and, to this. And if you're a sex offender who takes tokens, you know what them tokens are. Yes, you're looking exactly. for the that's same what, thing. That's what I was going to say. Unless you've you killed do. like 75 people, and even then, most of those psychopaths, like the Gacy's and them, they mm-hmm. remember everyone in vivid detail. They do. So mm-hmm. This dude's like, huh, maybe I took her class ring. Maybe I took her draws. I don't know. Mm-hmm. bro you didn't do it you did mm, indeed and uh lastly on this part of the confession talking about the body positioning he says quote i don't think i laid them right side by side maybe a little distance but not far apart i just wanted to get out of there they was on top of each other face down on top of each other okay mm-hmm. so he then says on the way home he stopped to take a pee and he saw a pocketbook in the car he said he threw the pocketbook and its contents alongside the road then he drives back to Point Marion. He describes an old schooled house and he parked the car there and committed sexual acts with the decapitated heads, which he described in detail. Oh, good Lord. Um, then he says he packed the heads up and uh, took them up. Okay. He describes where he dumped the heads and he advises that he also threw the gun into the same hole in the ground in Point Marion. And later when he comes down and points out this area, what he's actually describing, he calls it a hole in the ground. Um, but it's there were former mines and stuff in there. And it was like a, an access hole to a, a mine system with a lot of underground, you know, area and, you know, a place to throw things that are going to never be found. Um, <clears throat> so, so, I mean, he takes them to that spot. He does, he does take him to that spot, and he says, I threw the heads and the gun in this hole. And there are no heads and no gun. Correct. Uh, he then says he took the machete. He cleaned it up at the house in Point Marion, at his mama's house. And he put the machete back in his brother's room where he had gotten it. So he says it was his brother's machete. 
which would eventually, I don't, cause I don't know if I have this in my notes later. They, they do seize a machete from his brother's room and it, whatever. Uh, but there's no blood or anything on it that they can match. Uh, he then says he ditched the trophies from the girls in an abandoned house next to his mama's house. He ditched the trophies? Uh, yeah, he said, well, there's like, he said there's like a, a stair that was loose. And if you lift up the stair in this abandoned house, there's this little hidey hole that you can tuck stuff. And he hid it all there. So round about now, it's. He doesn't remember what he took, but he remembers where he stashed where it. Where he stashed took. it. Right. Okay. All right. Makes sense. So now it's about three o'clock in the morning. And he says he drives the stolen car back to Pittsburgh, left it somewhere done remember where he left that stolen car and said there was blood in the back seat and he still had blood on his thighs you know from his skull escapades um he then describes hitching a ride back to point marion where his car was still parked at his mama's house he washes up cleans up his bloody clothes uh except you hitched a ride with blood all over you mm, yes ma'am and I'm so, so he says, Who's I went and he up, says, I went along the side of the road covered in blood all over his eyes. Oh, yeah. I went, and, and his shirt was so bad. He just he gave up on the shirt and he burnt it. But, but I mean, the pants were salvageable. Dude went back to his house to put the machete his in mom's his brother's house. room. Mm-hmm. He ain't have no change of clothes. No, no. Right. That's what, it, none of it makes any sense. Oh, my God. OK. He then says he was in Point Marion for a couple weeks after that and then changes to well maybe it was just a couple days and the reason he changed that is because of this really interesting bit of information so let, let's talk about dissecting you've already started you've already the problems with the confession there are lots yeah but i just don't like the, they brought this idiot from new jersey back to morgantown after hearing the story you just told because they yes. thought it was credible I mean, I understand that yes. there had been pressure for north of half a decade to solve this very high profile and whatever. They needed somebody, yes. the, the the elected officials. They needed somebody to hang. But that don't make no damn sense. None of it. None. None. <laughs> okay. But, you know, three days later, after that initial confession, he had been brought down to Morgantown. There were the problems with him identifying where he picked up the girls, but he he pointed his hole in the ground in Point Marion and everybody was stoked. That's when the prosecutor's like, I'm not going to charge anything until we get these heads, but we about to get these heads. Um, and everybody was all gung-ho. Because he pointed at a hole in the ground in a place where he grew up? <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's like, there's a manhole cover. We got it. We got it. Well, yeah, there's lots of those. Um, okay. So at, right at a month later, they went back to New Jersey to talk to him again regarding some of the... Um, the problems with his uh, confession, and they tried to uh, iron out some of these problems. And so let's discuss those problems. You've, you've already hit some of them. Um, all right, from the jump, here's, here's perhaps the biggest problem. If you recall, he said he drove his car to Point Marion, parked at Mama's house, hitchhiked to Peaberg, stole a car, drove back down, uh, did all this, Took the car back to Peaberg that night. I mean, that this is all a wild night. And then he kicked it in Point Marion for a couple weeks, maybe a couple days. Well, at after. first he said he stole the car, had the stole it, had the car at his mama's house for a few days. Correct. Before he, which doesn't make any sense either, because you stole a car and now you're in the place where your car is, and you're yeah. gonna right. drive the stolen car around. You're not gonna ditch a stolen car. Right. Yeah, you're gonna get your brother's machete, then go to Morgantown to what'd you say? Clip somebody. Snipe somebody? What was the term he used? He was going to... Uh, snatch somebody? Snatch, yeah. Something like that. 
snatch up one of these ladies. Uh, yeah. I, well, now I can't even see it in my notes. But yeah, that's he was gonna he was gonna go pick him up because he can't have normal sex. He gotta have abnormal sex, whatever that means. So here's the problem. He worked at a job in Philly, and he clocked out at two eleven p.m. the day of the murder. He he was he was in Philadelphia. He clocked out at two eleven p.m. Um, allegedly drove three hundred miles to Point Marion, his hometown. Then hitched a ride sixty miles north to Pittsburgh, where he stole a car. Drove that car seventy five miles down back to Morgantown, so that by around ten p.m. he's offering a ride to our two coeds. Um, now. And here's the other thing: he was back at work the next day in Philadelphia, according to his time card. So that that ruins his uh, initial stay in Point Marion problem, and and it creates a problem too with his, his afterward. Stay in po- he could not have done this. Think about this too. Think about this too, because he claims to have committed the crime with a machete that he took from his brother's room, and other things: the handcuffs, uh, uh, a pistol, and a flashlight. He presumably hitchhiked to Pittsburgh, carrying these items with him: right, a mm-hmm. machete handcuffs and a pistol because he never stopped at point marion when he was coming back from pittsburgh according to his story he went pittsburgh to morgantown uh so i don't know you know hitchhiking was more i i think even in the 70s i feel like you'd you'd second guess a dude with a machete and a pistol on his hip i i mean i guess he could conceal the pistol um also uh we discussed the where the bodies were laid uh, and, and left. He didn't really give a good description of how they were covered up. Um, it, it certainly wasn't accurate. How they were laying was not accurate. Okay, so work. he allegedly took them to the place where he said that he dumped their heads. Did he take them to the place where this happened? Where he killed them? Yeah, the, no. the site of the mercs? No. They went, They when they had him, everything I read described going down to downtown to have him see if he could point out where he picked him up. And then where did he put the heads? So when he says, I pulled off in my sedan into the woods, they, uh, they never, never clarified where, where that was. Correct. That's good. That's good. Correct. Um, also, uh, to be clear, I, the gun was not found ever. It was certainly, there's not a gun in that hole, uh, in that mine shaft or whatnot. Uh, the heads were not found. However, there were animal nests inside the mine that were that had, uh, that were comprised of human hair. Uh, and they determined that it was female human hair, two different types of human hair. So human hair from two heads um, were used to create some kind of nest. Uh, and and that was ended up being used ultimately in That's his trial. It, it is, it is. But the evidence that I've read suggests it was not our girl's hair. Uh, for two reasons, color, uh, one color did not seem right. They, they had no roots or anything like there was nothing that they could identify, but the color certainly didn't seem to be right. But also they said it appeared very much that the hair was cut and there was like a lady, a girl who lived down the street a ways who had been practicing, you know, cosmetology or something. And they were wondering if she'd been cutting hair and the hair you know, ended up down in this mine and picked up by a bird or whatnot and yeah. used as netting. But I mean, it is a strange thing that where he said sure, I threw the heads, sure. there's 
there's nests made you, of two if you have human a girl hair. down the street cut hair and that's a lot of hair that you get as waste mm-hmm. and animals look for things to make nests from mm-hmm. waste yeah. most of the time that makes sense I got two birds making nests trying to make nests on my front porch out of literal trash mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crafty little critters so I, I will say this you know the, a lot of the actual law enforcement involved in this did not did not bite on this confession. The prosecutor ultimately bit on it and doubled down on it a couple times. But most of the people intimately involved in the case called bullshit. Um, apparently, where did I write down here? How long it took? Okay. Under six hours to get from Philly to Point Marion. Apparently, even that was... Uh, was a bit of an ish, but his, his work records, I think pretty much knock him out of being able, being able to do this. Um, so he talked about stealing, stealing the draws, stealing the undergarments, the brassiere and them, and them underwears. Uh, both girls were fully clothed, including the undergarments, of course. Uh, what was saying? And here's the other thing he describes. So if they if they have their clothes on now when their bodies are disposed, he described these sexual assaults wherein everybody was naked. He describes that the the murders happened shortly after that, um, that if anybody would have gotten dressed, if anybody would have gotten dressed, it would have been done quickly, hastily. But uh, one of the victims was still wearing full-length pantyhose and not just that she had a cigarette pack tucked into the top of the pantyhose and it had but one cigarette in the pack and i don't know about former smokers in in the in the spot you remember them soft packs ray i know you used to used Mm -hmm. to hit if you had one that thing was all jacked up it was all jacked up Mm -hmm. there's no you couldn't couldn't do it yeah you couldn't even smoke it because it was it was going to be jacked up just from being in your pocket Uh and and uh, by all accounts, this the last cigarette in the pack was perfectly fine. Pristine. Um, he said he put them on their backs. They were laid on top of each other on their stomachs. Uh, also, the uh, what was used to cover the bodies? Uh, apparently, some of these rocks were real heavy, like to the point that, like the trooper during his trial testimony, he was like, "I mean, I was able to pick it up." But it was probably a two-man rock, you know. But I mean, I could do it. I mean, I'm a I'm a straight hoss, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying. I'm, but I'm a big, big dude. Um, I'm swole as fuck. Yeah, dude. I hit the gym all the time. I could lift that rock. Yeah. I didn't even sweat much. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it might have taken two normal people. Um, so, and that's the thing. And th- this man, uh, Mister Mister Clausen, seemed to be uh, relatively slight. He certainly wasn't swole. Uh, but here's another interesting analysis, and I'm, I might just end up reading this verbatim. A, a critical examination of the crime scene evidence suggests that these murders were likely the work of a serial and well-organized perpetrator, not, this is a paraphrase now, not some dude who drove down to West Virginia on the spur of the moment to try to have some some abnormal sex and kill some girls. Yeah, well, he's and, very disorganized. Yes. 100%. And also, I mean, did anybody ask him, like, Bro, you you worked on, let's say, I don't remember what day of the week it was, Monday, mm-hmm. and you were going to go, I mean, it seems your plan all along was to go back to work faithfully on uh, Tuesday there. Okay. 
why did you drive to Morgantown and hitchhike back and forth from Pittsburgh and all this stuff when you are in the greater Philadelphia metropolitan area, which mm. is a much larger... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, this is James's fault. James's fault. See you, bud. <laughs> See, if you'd have just left for law school already, it never would have happened. Ah, Dummy. Asshole. Yeah, I know. Can't stand this guy. Um, but yeah, you. I mean, it, it seems to me you've got a much larger body to choose from there in Philly. Why are you going sure. to Point Marion, West Virginia? A place where people might see you and recognize you if you grew up there. It's a small town. Yeah. Or Pennsylvania, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it doesn't make much sense. And there there is a lot of discussion based upon the evidence at the crime scene about like kind of what Cheryl said. What, what type of killer sure. would do this as far as organized versus disorganized? Yeah. Um, Gideon, and, Gideon would never go for that. No. <laughs> Never. And uh, and it is pretty clear, I think, that this was an organized. Uh, yeah, uh, seems like it. And uh, so here's the other thing about Clawson. We talked about his history a little bit. He was a convicted pedophile rapist. OK, so he he was hitting victims 13 and younger was all his history. And he had no history of physical assault, murder, animal mutilation, any of the early indicators of a murderer who will eventually kill and mutate human victims, according to some fancy study. So uh, here's the other. Oh, you, you got a word on the tip well, of your well, tongue. Well, I was just going to ask you, and maybe you're getting ready to get into it. What mm -hmm. did you say? Uh, Kleinfelter? Oh, it's like Let's you saw it that. on the back of my notes. So he has a chromosomal anomaly called Kleinfelter's syndrome. I printed off a packet. <clears throat> I don't remember things. I have to have notes. So it is often referred to as uh, Kleinfelter's, KS, or XXY. Uh, because normally, okay, usually a female has two X, so that's XX, and a male has one X and one Y. But in Kleinfelter syndrome, a boy is born with an extra copy of the X chromosome, so he has XXY. So the X chromosome is not a female chromosome, it's present in everybody. The presence of a Y chromosome denotes male sex, which is why they do the YSTR stuff with DNA and how we can find if it was a dude's DNA real quick like. Um, so boys and men with this syndrome are still genetically male and will often not realize that they have this extra chromosome, but occasionally it can cause problems that may require treatment. It's not rare. One in 660 males, I bet we know one. Due to math, you probably met somebody with it. Yeah. Right? So symptoms of this syndrome. Uh, it doesn't usually cause any obvious symptoms in early childhood, and even later symptoms may be difficult to spot. Many men and boys do not realize that they have it. Possible features, which are not always present, may include the following. Then uh, babies and toddlers, we don't care. But, ah, we'll read it. Learning to sit up, crawl, walk, and talk might be a little bit later than usual. They're kind of quiet and passive as children, uh, or as toddlers. In childhood, shyness and low confidence, problems with reading, writing, spelling, paying attention, mild dyslexia, low energy levels, and difficulty socializing or expressing feelings. In teenagers, they grow taller than expected for the family with long arms and legs, broad hips, poor muscle tone, slower than usual muscle growth, reduced facial and body hair that starts growing later than usual, a small penis and testicles, enlarged breasts. Those are your teenage symptoms. Don't look at me that way. That, Don't look at me that way. What are you trying sounds, to say, right? That sounds like a terrible affliction. <laughs> what are you trying to say? You a little bit, you a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> you ain't got no muscles. You got some titties though. 
<laughs> and your and your wiener's real tiny. You know, you be a gangly motherfucker too. Like that's 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 awful. Yeah, I mean, it's but you know, thankfully, it says many boys. You know that th- they're not always present. But the, I mean, these symptoms are symptoms that may be can included. Occur, right. Can occur. So a lot of people don't even know they have it. No big deal. But some people shows more than That's others. That's true. It's like when they, you know, the disclaimers at the end of like medication ads where they're like, right. you know, 45 diseases right. per one. If you one. had all these symptoms, it, it would be unfortunate, right? Uh, in adulthood, inability to have children naturally. Uh, that's infertility in parentheses. Oh. A low sex drive uh, in addition to the physical characteristics mentioned above. So, so uh, he's a pedophile with a low sex drive. I mean, could that could he yeah, definitely so, has this syndrome? Maybe that's not a uh, uh, you yeah, know, maybe he has trouble getting it up and he's got a tiny wiener, abnormal. And he's uh, his lawyer, I think this was on the second trial. Um, his lawyer argued that it uh, this this chromosome abnormality with him here, anomaly. It rendered him impotent and unable to perform the sexual acts that he described in his confession. Uh, also, it made it pretty. Uh, it's not the point. Well, right. It made it. It made it even less credible. Uh, his single-handed abduction and overpowering two adult females at once. Uh, and, if you oh, have a gun, it don't take that much power. Well, that's true. Yeah, and, I'm a, I'm a and a machete. And a machete. And a machete. And I'm at some point, he's got to physically handle them a little bit, though. Well, I mean, um, he's got to pick up them rocks, too. Mm-hmm, True. Yeah. With uh, his symptoms, which his specifically, apparently, included weak upper body muscles, which makes you lose even more respect for him, doesn't it, Ray? So my man is like, despite, I assume they already had the time card, time clock records, and my man's going with, well, he isn't exactly diesel that's the defense not that he couldn't have physically done this defense that this guy sounds like a real winner of a defense that's what i'm saying why are we even talking about his ability to sexually perform when these chicks weren't raped now i will tell you well and and the of course the state asserted in trial both trials that they were maybe they was that they were raped and that you couldn't know because the bodies had been there for 30 days uh, or however many days it was a long time. Maybe it was three months. Can't remember. It was a long time uh, before they found the bodies. So, um, so just, but he took the time to put their clothes, clothes back, back on, on. Yes. after he took them and stashed Panty them under when, when he specifically said he got real scared and just wanted to GTFO. Bounce, right. out of, yeah. So Not scared enough to take a little side trip to, Fuck some skulls, apparently. Right. They were speaking to him. He couldn't do nothing about it. He couldn't control himself. I So much. How did, okay. They not only tried this dude once, mm-hmm. and I assume that got overturned. Or was it a hung jury? Oh, no. He was convicted in okay. 1976. Okay. And so the year, the year that again? he- again? Yeah. So he, he comes out and says, well, makes his confession in January of 76, and my notes reflect that he was then convicted in the same year. Of the ah, and so murders. then, what was the? Do you know what the basis for uh, overturning it and remanding it? I do. Was let's reflect upon State v. Clawson, a 1980 decision. Uh, okay, here's what beefs he made in his appeal. The first issue he has is to the admission of one of his confessions, which he claims he did not initially uh, waive his right to have counsel present. 
Uh, a lot of the opinion is devoted to this discussion. Of course, this is you know 70s into 80, all the Messiah doctrine and all that stuff. A lot of a lot of United States Supreme Court case law that I think our court just wanted to talk about to be cool. So like mm-hmm. they they did a lot of discussion. Um, collateral to this is the further claim that certain statements made. Uh, the time he was taken to an area where part of the crime was committed should not have been admitted without first determining in, oh, in an in-camera hearing if they were voluntary. So essentially, when they drove him around and it said, point to where you picked up these girls, should should there have been a suppression hearing as to that incriminating statement? Because eventually he got it right. Eventually he pointed to the intersection where, uh, where the girls were taken. So uh, another assignment of error is that certain photographs of the bodies were too gruesome. Gruesome photographs, objection. Um, and lastly, his final ground is about expert testimony relating to the hair samples and that that should have been inadmissible. So that part of the opinion talks a lot about the Fry test and all that stuff mm-hmm. pre, pre-Daubert. Um, or how do, you, how do you say it, Cheryl? Do you say Daubert? Daubert. I usually say Daubert. Yeah, you do. It sounds fancier when you say it that way, right? That's the only reason I choose it's, it. It's probably Daubert. It's probably his Daubert. What about you, Raymond? I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Raymond? I, I usually, I mean, I think the way I, I agree, it sounds more fancier if you say Daubert, but mm-hmm. I like Daubert makes me laugh too. <laughs> oh, little Daubert. Or the Daubert test. So, uh, so of those assignments of error, what do you think it was? Just off the cuff. What, what do you think? Because you, like you've now acknowledged that it's been confession. overturned. Raymond? Yeah, that's what I'm going with, Jeff. I mean, the science the, the on hair thing I was is say, yeah. shit. Um, but I don't think they arrived at that conclusion that it was shit until more right. recently. Right, and so right. more recently. But they also didn't use but, it to identify. She said, I can't say But that let's it's be honest, hair. the only thing they got on old boy is his confession. That's true. That's the only thing, if they were, they would have found the hair thing as harmless error if it had been the hair. Yeah. Right. Confession, all the way. Is that not what it was? Incorrect. What was it? Pictures. Are you serious? Because pictures. They, they were uh, okay. Came back on everybody, pictures. Everybody talks about gruesome pictures. Pictures aren't gruesome. That's the dumbest. They thing. overturned a conviction on four hundred three. They believe rounds this dude didn't do it for, for a double homicide. <laughs> they believe this dude didn't do it. Double homicide. Wow. Uh, oh, that's the other thing, real quick. When we're talking about problems with his confession, he described he described killing them by decapitation, but their clothes were not bloody. Oh, that's oh, yeah. true too. That's um, true too. So I never even thought about that. Um, you know, most science seems to indicate that the the if decapitation was done. Yeah, that that was done posthumously. Um, so, it, you know, I we don't have to talk about the confession argument too much. I mean, they said it was fine. He, um, they do have the transcript. I can't believe they overturned on gruesome. Photos. If, yeah. if you want to, if you want to play this game, Cheryl, I did highlight. His answers, if you wanted to uh, read his answers in the interrogation, and I could read the questions, and you could see if you I thought... I can see they're just all yes. Yeah, I mean, I thought it'd be easy. It wouldn't be a they're hard not, thing for you to do. They're not even asking him questions to get information. They're yeah. asking him questions to confirm. No, well, well, what it was, was he... So he had a lawyer for his New Jersey stuff, because he's sitting in jail on a charge in New Jersey, right, right. and ultimately... He's talked to them for like an hour. He's been Mirandized. He talked to him for an hour and then they're going to go on the record now. You know, you talk to him for a bit and then you get it on the record. You you figure out what, what it's going to be. And um, so they ask him eventually, uh, da, 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 you've got a lawyer here in Jersey, right? Yes. 
Uh, would you like to tell the court stenographer what his name is? His answer is, his name is, I don't know his first name. It's Mr. Weitzman. I can't spell it. Uh, you got him through the public defender's office? Yerp. Do you want him here with you tonight? He won't come out this late. I don't have his phone number either. Well, would you want him here tonight? I'd like to have him because I trust him very much. You would like to have him. It don't matter. That's his answer. Answer. It don't matter. Well, it matters, Gene. We want to take a statement from you. Answer. I don't want to cause no inconvenience. Question. We're not talking about inconvenience. It's a matter of your rights. This is a very nice cop, by the way. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, he represents you on the other case. We're not going to talk about that case. We're just going to talk about, uh, we're not going to talk about the rape, if that's what you're afraid of. Answer. I ain't afraid. Uh, question. Oh, no, he's asking to meet with him. Yeah. Question. We're only talking about the Morkatown homicide. Do you want to give us a statement without your attorney here? Answer. I'll give it to you. I don't want to drag him out here because, I mean, it don't matter. I already gave the statement uh, to you without him being here. So it doesn't matter now. Uh, and that's pretty much the, the conversation that they had. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Um, that well, wasn't yeah, that a, part of it. I'm not, ups but you said that he was challenging stuff about when they were in Morgantown, taking him to spots. Oh yeah. Places. That, that like, part is not discussed is much at all. No, the, the, the confession part of that part, that discussion about him, He'd like his lawyer here, but it's late. It was like 11 o'clock at well, night. Yeah, I don't see I don't anything know wrong with that either. Yeah, no, it's fine. And, and our court said it's fine, but they talked about it for like five pages yeah. about why it's fine. So <laughs> let's talk about why the trial had to be done. One Mogan. Pictures. So stupid. You're going to hmm. prosecute a dude for decapit killing and decapitating and uh, is it females. Which is a is it stupid? Disposing. Malice is it stupid? Right. And then they go, well... Those Look, pictures, that's what really did it. But your whole case is a real shaky confession. Sure. Prosecutors are going to want to spook these jurors and show them how nasty this stuff was. I, I mean, I, I, it seems like I don't want to throw stones, but it seems like it could be a pretty strategic decision to try to get in photos. You have that, to, if you're charged, if you're trying a murder, you have to put in pictures of the victim because you have to prove a malice. Mm -hmm. And that's part of showing what they did to the body well let's talk about what the pictures were what the specific pictures uh so let's see mm -mm -mm. the defendant asserts the trial court committed reversible error when it admitted 10 color photographs of the victim's bodies as they appeared on the pathologist autopsy table the defendant argues these photographs were not relevant to a single issue that was disputed in the case and served only to prejudice and inflame the jury. All of these photos were eight by ten glossy prints. I like that the court felt the need to indicate that they glossy. were glossies. No matte finish up in here. The first seven photographs comprise exhibits five A to five G, and they portray the body of the victim who was found in the upper portion of the grave. I don't know why they just don't identify old girl. I feel like that's kind of a weird yeah, thing. Right. Like just yeah. call her call her by her name, dag on it. Um who was found in the upper portion of the grave. The remaining three photographs are of the victim that was beneath. Uh, it is difficult. This is a direct quote. I'm going to read this. It is difficult to describe a scene as gruesome as that depicted in these photographs. For three months, these human remains had lain in the forest decomposing. The flesh over much of the body in Exhibit 5 is torn and missing. The investigators at trial suggested the flesh was eaten away by animals. Exhibit 5A portrays the body as it appeared when delivered to the autopsy room clothed in blood-soaked garments. The right leg contains remnants of flesh and tattered clothing that taper to the point where the lower leg is eaten to the bare bone. The right foot is missing altogether. Exhibit 5C is a color close-up of the same view with the clothing removed. Exhibits 5B and 5D 
are close-up photographs of the headless torso clothed only in a brassiere. The photographs are centered on the severed neck in a view through the opening of the wound into the partially hollowed chest cavity. The remaining three photographs in Exhibit 5 are post-autopsy photographs after the chest cavity has been sawed apart and the remaining internal organs removed. The pictures are colored close-ups of the dried and decomposed remnants of the disemboweled pelvic region. Oh. You know, you're changing your story a little bit now, right? That little, I mean, those are... The post-autopsy I don't know. Those are substantially more... hollowed out. Those things are gross. I mean, if you've gutted a deer, you know what it looks like, but it's a human. Yeah. I don't know. I guess those, in my opinion, are probably substantially more prejudicial than probative, but an abuse of discretion such that I'm going to overturn the conviction? I don't know. Now, those were Top Girl. That was Top Girl. Let's talk about Bottom Girl. Those pictures... Okay, from Exhibit 6... Oh, and I would like to say... Showing the bodies in the condition they were in when they were discovered does not bother me at all. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. Those were not those were not challenged in any way. I think those were admitted without objection. Um, since the victim in Exhibit Six was found in the lower portion of the grave, the body, with the exception of the head, of course, appears to be intact. The three photographs portray only the unclothed upper torso in color close-ups of the headless shoulders, although the skin is blood-soaked and discolored. It is unbroken so that the body fluids have been retained. I don't know what a lot of that means. It is, a, it is apparent. So pretty much court's ruling is this. It was apparent that the photographs in exhibits five and six were not of essential evidentiary value. They depict nothing that was not otherwise thoroughly established by competent expert evidence. The defense did not dispute the existence of two decapitated bodies. Two pathologists testified in detail to the condition of the corpses. The state of the bodies after three months of decomposition and after autopsy procedures had been performed was such that there was no relevance uh, to their condition at the time the crime was committed. The only practical effect of the photographs was the shock value of their grisliness. Um, Then they talk about some case law that had come out in between uh, about these things. Um, And so... So they pretty much just say that there was no there was no real evidentiary value for it. Um, now let's talk about the that, state's that, argument. That that makes that makes sense. But you know the state could save it. They could save it with a dope argument. Let's hear it. Oh no. The state argues that the photographs had probative value in demonstrating that the bodies were so badly deteriorated and decomposed that it was impossible for the state's pathologist to determine if there was evidence of sexual molestation. Essentially, the confession is about all the sex stuff. We don't have any physical evidence of that. So we want to show you how decomposed the bodies were to show you why our pathologist. And that's why you got to show the body all cut open without the organs in it. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the Supreme Court was like, yeah, cool story. None of the pictures cool were story, of the bro. none of the pictures were of the lower portion of the girls' bodies. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. 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 Uh, he also um, complained that he had asked for a change of venue, which was denied. Um, and by the time the court got to that argument, they were pretty much like, yo, bro, we're already reversed. Yeah, we don't but, care. But listen to this. Uh, so, and they say that since this case must be reversed, the question of whether the defendant is entitled to a change of venue is not as significant since the motion may be renewed if warranted before the next trial. A few observations 
are perhaps worthwhile. Mm, you know this ain't good. Helpful suggestions. Yes, 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 yes. Um, in State v. Sete, I'm guessing on that one, we discussed some of our principles surrounding grounds for a change of venue. There, as here, a prosecutor had disclosed a considerable portion of his case to the media in advance of trial, which had given the disclosures widespread publicity. This practice violates the Code of Professional Responsibility, which precludes both prosecution and defense attorneys from trying their case through the public media. Both uh, that case and State v. Dandy, it's a cool name, State v. Dandy, as well as uh, other of our cases, recognize the right to change venue, blah, 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 when there's a hostile environment, yada, yada, yada. But low-key through shade at the prosecutor saying, don't do that stuff. Right. Uh, we're not going to address it. We're going to punt it, but do better. But y'all not have done what you did. Y'all not have done what you did. So it came back to Mon County. They tried him again and convicted him again in 1981 based upon uh, the aforementioned evidence. Uh, and apparently without the gruesome photographs, they were, you know, and look, it seems weird. And to us, we know, and especially we know, but we know in 2022, we know all about false confessions, right? I mean, sure. Whew, they happen all the time. And I think they knew they happened then, but, you know, man, they wanted this guy to be the guy. And he said he was the guy until he changed his mind, which that was the other thing. I mean, obviously, by the time he went to trial, he was denying it. Right. He recanted. Uh, and his reasoning was really, really interesting. It just, you know, most most yeah, criminal folks aren't smart. Confessed? Yeah. It, I mean, it's not like they was looking at him. They were not. They were coming at him, badgering him about, we know you did this. He's just a rando in a jail in Jersey. Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. So he says, um, yep, found it. Thank God. In the nick of time. Wait, I just I just found it. All right. There it is. All right. So he says, I made the confession because I've been sitting in jail for two years and it was December 75. I read an article in two different magazines concerning the co-ed murders. And I felt that if I, you know, this is a quote, by the way, I felt that if I, you know, if I could make the officials in West Virginia believe I was guilty and I could get indicted for it and brought down there. Here at Jersey, due to the fact that the charges down there were, were bigger than the ones I had in Jersey, Jersey would drop, drop the charges against me. And then when I got down here, I felt I could prove my innocence and then I'd have no more time. That's why I did it. It's an elaborate scheme. Mm -hmm. And there is evidence I, that there were at least two articles. I'm going to get out of this in, sex assault by admitting the two murders. Right. And yeah, I'm going to beat bold. those murders. And I'm going to beat those because clearly I didn't do it. And they're going to be able to see I didn't do it, but I'm going to, and, and there were two different, uh, true detective type magazines, which apparently were a thing, which seemed, uh, really kind of like violence porn in the seventies. I don't know. Just about like crazy cases like this and, uh, talked about all the terrible things people did to women and you could buy them at like a gas station or whatnot. And, and there now were, we have Netflix and now we so, have Netflix I mean, for that. Amen. True. So there's, there were two different, um, stories and posted and podcast right. about it um and he says he says that's what he that's what he read that's what he did he uh was of course sentenced to life without and um went to uh mount olive penitentiary and he died there in 2014 oh. 
Sucks for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, at least he wasn't raping any kids. But. I mean, that that's true. So, like, part of me is like, glass half full. I, this guy, this, <laughs> right? This guy clearly did not kill these girls. Um, right. But he raped some boys. So, uh, I mean, that's not the same thing. And it's, it's not. But you know what? He didn't rape any other right. under eight. He might have. I don't know what he did with adults in the prison, but you know. Uh, um. Uh, so uh, have we figured out who killed these girls? Okay, so that that is going that is to be the subject of episode uh, three. Subject of episode three. Okay, uh, there like are it. theories. There are plenty of theories, uh, and is, and if you listen to that legit podcast, the um, <laughs> uh, Appalachian Mysteria podcast, or you read this phenomenal book, which is by the same people, the WVU Coed Murders: Who Killed Merritt and Karen. Um. You know, they narrow it down and they make the arguments on two. Uh, there are two authors of the book. Each author picks a person and they make their argument as to why they think that person is the person. Uh, there are some other stragglers um, that are that are possible. Uh, one law enforcement officer uh, to to the day he died was convinced that um, Merritt's dentist in Morgantown did this. He apparently had a history of like feeling up ladies while they were knocked out and thinks that that he just jumped from that to double homicide decapitation. I, I don't know. Um, seems a stretch. It, it does. It does. The other two, however, seem um, much more better as far as suspects, unless and until we the, the heads are found, which. You know, now I feel I feel you all can confidently look at the articles and things going on about about what they're trying to do right now. Um, I haven't read them because I live under a rock. But um, you know, without like DNA, you know, some something something like that is going to have to really uh, because I think most of the people even accused of this or suspected of this are dead, um, and so you're not gonna you're not gonna get a confession at this point, I reckon. But uh, yeah. That's that's the so I guess with part two here, the confession and trial and appeal or and conviction and appeal and conviction one more again and subsequent death in prison of Eugene Clawson for the murder of these two ladies, which he I mean, most people just unanimously agree. He, he probably didn't do. Yeah, his uh, his confession was trash. Yeah, everything about that was. And you said the law enforcement officers pretty much all that actually worked on the case. Mm hmm pretty much thought it was bullshit yes many of them did have mm -hmm. any of them made any statements about the trial and uh conviction and sentence of mr clausen for the crime later i mean uh trooper trooper hall i believe it was um he who was very much a part of this investigation that became the book and the podcast until you know, but but his his theory was the dentist by the way so let's just throw that oh, out he there the guy, he was okay. the dentist guy um uh, he went on Hoppy Kerchival and, you know, said he he firmly believes the guy didn't do this. Um, also said similarly to us, you know, don't really have heartburn about him <laughs> being oh, in prison, but uh, but he didn't do this. And um, what about the what about the prosecutor, Mr. I'm not going to drop the hammer until we find heads. They never found heads. And mm -hmm. they tried Mr. Solomon. Twice. Yeah, Mr. Solomon. He ever say anything after the fact? Oh, oh we, we no. got our man. I'm pretty sure he's in the we got our man camp, uh, if I had to guess. And uh, maybe for next time, I'll go ahead, now that I have found did, the book. Did thank the you, Ray. Did the trooper ever indicate he had a conversation with the prosecutor about how he thought this guy did not do this? 
No, not to my. Not I to my just knowledge. wonder how much discussion was had. It seemed like there was discussion. Group. Some some law enforcement officers, from my memory of the book, some law enforcement officers involved were like, "Yeah, we got our guy." Because of the hair and the, the, all... the, the hair, right? And just you know, why would? But you know, especially back then, nineteen seventies law enforcement, especially like. This dude just confessed to it. Like he just said all this stuff and he made like who would make up this terrible stuff and, you know, skull fucking, them, blah, 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 you know, eh. um, but some some of them were convinced. Many, because many were not crazy. People are crazy. Turns out. I mean, it's not like people also falsely confess all the time. Does that no. happen? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. you would like to think if someone gives you a statement about something that happened, mm-hmm. you have outside evidence to corroborate that statement. Right. So that you know that it's. At least mostly truthful. Well, and, and so much less was known about these kind of killers back then, right? You know what I mean? Like right, the, but I mean, the you science have your facts the, of Mind the murder, hadn't even come and out you yet. have this guy. Yeah, Mindhunters was not even a, on Netflix, bro. Yeah, right. Who's given a statement that doesn't even match with your facts, right? Except the facts that were in the press, right? Right, right. right. He clearly right. read. He couldn't and even tell them where the girls were picked up. They never asked him to show him the murder scene, right? He well, just, pointed to a hole in the ground in a town that he grew up in and said that place, and they never found anything there. Right. Also, except random hair that didn't match the hair of the girls. And I mean, all that doesn't really give credence to, or doesn't take into account that just logistically, geographically, Impossible. dude could not have killed, committed right. the crime. Now, here's the interesting thing I will say. The facts about his time card. Right, which is to me incredibly important. Like when I heard that, it's like there's no way he did this. If he clocked out of Philly at two o'clock in the afternoon and he's working again the next day, there's no way he could have done this. Right. Uh, that was not that was not in any of the uh, appellate stuff that I read. It wasn't discussed. Which I mean, it wouldn't be. That's just a defense. You know, there, there's nothing that would come up. Um, but. Don't you make a, that all know, comes from that a Hoppy Kerchival interview? Never is a successful right, but sometimes thing they make field. it. But most people will make it right, even if it's not there. But here, I mean, right. With well, we, defense, we've got case law. We've got case law, right? That a confession alone isn't enough, right? Right. You got to be able to substantiate it, and right. And here's my thing, though that that factoid that we are taking as fact. The only place I've seen that anywhere is in a Hoppy interview of the trooper before he passed away that, that trooper i think it's hall um Ooh, maybe went, it was a brady issue maybe they withheld it you think that your girl was, what, what was your girl's name what was uh what was old girl at the at the law school v, oh, we give it a v valiner 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 beady you don't think she was in that podcast and stuff i think she'd have been on top of all that she was hollering about the oh, hair she, she was on the podcast oh yeah bet oh, she, Valina, was, she was i mean side. she wasn't like on it they talked about her and she she sounded whiny. I don't know. I've never met her. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I think there's a legitimate public interest in acknowledging maybe this guy didn't do this, probably didn't do this. If there is genetic testing available, I, I do think it's reasonable. Uh, maybe the Mon prosecutors are going to all punch us in the face because this is the great white buffalo. I don't know. Oh, my God. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll cut that out. It's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, if there's a way to test something, I think we should test things. I would be interested to find out who really did this, even sure. if they're dead and, and gone. You know what? Maybe you find out it's the Clawson dude. Maybe you find out it's Clawson and he was just crazy 
and he made up half of the confession or, you know, or he couldn't remember. Maybe his memory was terrible yeah, because he's got a little brain that. problem. Maybe he never went to Pittsburgh. But the point yeah. is, the search for the truth is for the benefit of the truth. Yeah. No it's matter worried. what it is. It's worried. If the dude didn't do it, he didn't do it. Right. If he did it, then he did it. Right. But let's try to... I mean, I can see, no I can see a counter complaint or, you know, a, a counter argument to that saying, look, there was a conviction for that crime lawfully. There's someone who's convicted in sense. Sure. We got, we got other cases going on. We got other missing persons. You want to divert Absolutely. time resources to some case where even if he didn't do it, the dude who did do it is probably real dead. You do because you're a prosecutor yes. and your duty is if there's evidence out there that you've convicted someone wrongfully of the crime, yes. it is your duty to bring it up before the court. It is your duty. Amen. Yeah, I totally want to find out who did this. I wonder. Um, hmm. I remember in her section on the legit podcast, they were, they were talking about DNA, maybe hair, something about hair, because hair's come a little bit longer. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm not saying the hair. You got roots. I, that's the thing. I'm not saying the hair. It wasn't the hair it's from a little the bit nest. Mo, it's a little bit more better if you got roots. I think they were talking about hair on the birdie, maybe. I don't know. My memory's terrible. I got to. I gotta do something. I gotta take some vitamins. <laughs> Stop drinking. Take some vitamins. <laughs> yeah. Get up. Get all up in this ginkgo biloba. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, hey. We can announce. Uh, not only do we have the email of uh, oh yeah, no true bill podcast yes. at gmail by the time anybody hears this, we got that Instagram. We on the gram, baby. Or we're going to be. We've got it. Oh, it's going to be great. Who's going to run the gram? I think Ray should run the gram. Grammy. Yeah. I think you've got you've got talents for social media. Just I'm, I'm make sure whatever you're, you know, I don't know, posting things. Got to keep it appropriate. Put it on Afghanistan. Afghanistan. <laughs> well, so, you know, you can you I suggest that you follow us on Instagram. You can email us case suggestions. We got a great case, case suggestion from an intern. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna have Cheryl deep dive oh, so yeah. it gets done right. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. And uh. But yeah, case suggestions. Um. All that kind of stuff. Uh. What what was it? Uh. Cheryl said when we tried to do this at the conference. Um. Do not send us videos. We will not open or view them. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, no true bill podcast at gmail .com. Send us that stuff. Uh, it's fun. It was fun to get back and do this again. Agreed. We, we need to get. It's good to be back in the saddle, I guess, Yay. as they would say. So, until next time. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. That hit just right, buddy. Until next time. Y'all stay out of trouble. Yeah, it got caught. So this year he wrote Happy Big Wolf Day. And I don't know what that means. Like I don't know the reference. Is that what is that what does that mean? And nobody knew. Yeah. I'm gonna have to see if I like I I'll have to scour the internet and see if I can find that audio. But it was the weirdest thing ever. It was just this track that they were Happy Big Wolf Day. And it was <laughs> it was disturbing. That was it though.